Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it This episode of the Minimalist Podcast is brought to you by nobody. <laughs> well, hello, everybody. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Welcome. <laughs> We, we are not alone today, as you, as you can probably hear. Um, we are at the Aladdin Theater in Portland, Oregon. Hello, Portland. So what we'll do, we have a microphone set up here. We'll start with three long-winded answers. That means you'll ask a regular question, and Ryan and I will maunder on a little bit. And then after that, we'll head into a lightning round. We'll do at least three lightning round questions, maybe more. Uh, we've been doing something interesting. I don't know how it's going to work tonight because we have a special guest I'm going to unveil in a moment. But uh, these lightning rounds, usually we, we will sit down for a day and, and, and try to celebrate over the perfect tweetable response. But now we're doing this live. And so you're going to ask your question and Ryan and I are going to have a rap battle. <laughs> Except there w won't be any rapping going on. I know, oh yeah, but it's the same premise. Um, it's, uh, we're, we're, it's a little friendly competition. So if you wanna line up, uh, while you're lining up, someone has to break the ice obviously, and then of course everyone will, will cascade down from the balconies or whatever works. But uh, first what I'd like to do is welcome a special guest. You know, back in December of 2010, Ryan and I started theminimalists.com. And around that time, I was really inspired by the person that I'm about to bring out here. He was certainly one, one of the people who inspired us to make a, a leap into the world of nonconformity, one might say. And um, he's written a bunch of books. He runs a, a great local conference here as well. It's called the World Domination Summit. Yeah. And um, uh, he's written some great books, he, the, the Art of Nonconformity. He's written The $100 Startup, The Happiness of Pursuit, Born for This, and he's got a new book coming out this September. It's the same name as his podcast. His podcast is called Side Hustle School, and his book is called Side Hustle. And I encourage you to check out the podcast as well as his writings. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Gillibo. So we don't do guests on our podcast, so this will be interesting. Um, and we're still not, we, we definitely don't do interviews because I um, don't enjoy doing interviews that much on a podcast. But what we really enjoy about the podcast is the opportunity we get to listen to people and, and their questions and allows us to formulate and better formulate our, our responses over time. So we're here to listen tonight and Chris is going to, going to help us out. Before we dive into that though, uh, Chris, you... You have, have spent some time, I should say, bucking the status quo, but, but maybe you were never part of the status quo. And, and um, 
the cool thing, what I really love about your work is you encourage people in a very practical way to do things that seem radically unpractical to most of us, or impractical, I believe would be the word. But uh, can you talk, talk just for a moment about, about your current project? You're, you have a, a great podcast, and it's called Side Hustle School. What, what inspired you to, to start that podcast and then the book? Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Josh. Thank you, Ryan. It's a huge honor to be with you guys. Been a fan of you for many years, as you, as you probably know. And thank you for coming to our fair city, by the way, as well. Right? Mm -hmm. Good. Um, well, I think like you guys, I'm really inspired to create. And I'm motivated to get up in the morning and make something that I'm interested in. And hopefully there's a connection with somebody else as well. Like, I don't want to just, you know, create for myself. I want to make something that's helpful and useful. And so, um, you know, I, last year I had a book out. Um, I did a tour of about 30 cities. And um, I would give a talk for about 30 minutes. And for about two minutes of that 30-minute talk, I would talk about side hustles. And this concept of, you know, even if you love your job, you should have at least more than one source of income. And there's, there's no downside to a side hustle. It will bring you more confidence. It will bring you more security, backup plan, you know, all this kind of stuff. But I just kind of mentioned that in passing. And then I noticed um, that after the talk, half of the questions were about that topic. And it's not like I originated this idea. I just noticed that, you know, last year in particular, I felt like more and more people are kind of responding to it. Uh, maybe like you guys saw as well with minimalism, like when you started. And I felt like there's really something here. And when I think about what am I going to make next, what's my next project, um, like I said, I don't want to just create for myself. And so I was like, here's something that I'm somewhat qualified, qualified to do. You know, I'm basically unemployable. So I've spent my whole life, you know, in a series of, of trying to kind of find my way. Um, so I'm a little bit qualified, and there's a lot of interest in this. And also, and lastly, um, not everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. And I felt like there was a bit of a backlash against some of this idea of, like, everyone should quit their job. And everyone should kind of, like, jump off a cliff and take a risk, and not everybody can do that. And so I wanted to kind of speak to all the other people who didn't necessarily want to do that, like maybe one day, um, but wherever they are in life, like let's do something, let's create something for ourselves. Like let's create something that brings economic empowerment so that we have more choice, so that we can be more intentional and live the life that we want. So that was the motivation for that. I, what I like, what I really love about that is it's the obverse side of the coin because you wrote the book, The $100 Startup, which the title's a misnomer, right? Because I think it's the $400 startup is the average business. Yeah, the there. average business was like $382 in the study, but that's, that was a really bad title. Like, <laughs> my, my publisher was like, you can't call it that. So we went with $100. <laughs> and, and that was more of a, hey, if you're, if you're considering taking some sort of leap, here, here are some templates to prove that this is possible. Right, it's right. not pie in the sky. It's not, it's not just for this one person, just for this guy, just for this gal. It's not just for this industry. Here are a bunch of different examples. And, and now with, with Side Hustle, it's like, well, here, here's the other side. Maybe you love your day job or maybe you're just tethered to it now because you're in debt and you need to get out. And so this is the way you provide for your family. But at the same time, why not find something on the side that is going to, to A, inspire you, B, it's something that you can, you can be creative in or be passionate about, you can cultivate a sort of passion, and, and C, you can use the income from that for whatever you want, to get out of debt, to, to grow your business, and, and then see where it goes from there. So um, I think the podcast really, it, it, it's nice because uh, you're still doing a podcast every day, right? 
Every day. <laughs> now, we were talking about this earlier today because we're, we're filming some new stuff. Have, have any, any of you seen our documentary? <laughs> nice. Well, um, if, you, if you hated the documentary, you can blame Ryan. Sorry um, about that. And if you love the documentary, the, the man behind the camera, behind the editing, behind everything that was good about that documentary is Matt Diavella. And he's right here, ladies and gentlemen. We also have another very talented filmmaker who's on the road filming with us uh, this week and, and throughout a lot of this tour. His name is Conrad and he is right here. Let's give him a round of applause. We're grateful to have them on the road. We're working on some stuff. We, we, were, we were filming some things with Chris earlier today and here's the cool thing. It's just like the documentary. We filmed about 2,000 hours worth of footage and Matt somehow was able to you know, make most of that hit the cutting room floor and we ended, we ended up with 79 minutes of, of just beautiful film. And, and we're doing that again, but we don't know the format. It could, be, it could be anything at this point. And we've gone into it with no expectations, but really high standards, and we're hoping for the best. And we're just gonna keep filming until Matt runs out of hard drive space. <laughs> it's coming up soon, he says. Well, I've, I, I certainly better hurry up. Anyway, I was going somewhere with that, and I've totally derailed myself. But um, we'll go ahead and move on to some questions. I'm sure it will, the, the thought will attack me mid-question at some point. So we'll go ahead and say your name and where you're from and what your question is. Hello. Howdy. My name is Sophia. I'm from right here in Portland, Oregon, born and raised. <laughs> I've been a fan of both of you guys for quite some time now. And one of the things that you talk a lot about is the benefit of evaluating what your values are and how in alignment your short-term actions as well as the people that you're spending time with are with those values. And my question is, how often do you recommend taking the time to intentionally step back and reevaluate that? And are there particular ways that you recommend doing so by yourself, with a partner, with friends, with family, um, et cetera. Yeah, I think there are four different kinds of values and I just want to delineate those. I think it's important to, to sort of break it down and, and, and maybe rank them in order of importance. So Ryan and I, in our first book, we, we wrote, it's called Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. And in that book, we basically said, okay, once we get rid of the stuff, what do we fill this life with? Because it's not about having an empty life, that's not minimalism. Where, what is minimalism going to help me do? Where is it going to help me go? And to do that, I had to figure out what are my values? I didn't really know what my values were, right? And so we uncovered the, the five, what I would call fundamental values uh, or, or just the foundational values. Uh, health, relationships, passion or creativity, growth and contribution. I think these are values that pretty much everyone shares. You may add to that list, you may subtract, you can do whatever you want, but, but I think that's the, the foundation upon which everything else in a meaningful life is built. So that, that's the, the most important start because if you don't have a foundation, you're gonna build a house on, on quicksand and that's not gonna work out so well. On top of that, you have what I would call core values. And those are gonna change, those are much more individual. In fact, your core values could be similar to my core values, but I may place a lot more emphasis on one of them versus the other. So uh, core values like discipline or freedom or community or independence or self-reliance or sexuality. I mean, th there, are, there are a bunch of 
core values, and you probably have a list of somewhere around 20, 25 of those core values. Now, I, the, those five, I'm looking at, those first five, I'm looking at every single day and, and saying, are these actions aligned with those five fundamental values? And then with those core values, I try to look at them about once a month, and I try to reevaluate them about once a year. And so at the beginning of the year, and I find it's nice to do with an accountability partner as well, to, to just look through those values and and I'll, either I'll do that with Ryan or I'll do it with my partner, Rebecca. We'll sit down and I'll say, what are your values? And it lets me learn more about that person too, right? And sometimes she'll come up with these great values. I'm like, holy shit, why wasn't that on my list? <laughs> and on top of that, I think there are other values. You have minor values. So uh, a minor value is something that adds value to your life, but it's not an absolute necessity to, to your life. So uh, some examples of that might be social media. Maybe you get value from social media. Um, or maybe it's, for me, it's caffeine. Like I get value from coffee, right? And I'm in the right city for that right now. And uh, I, I definitely get value from coffee, but I need to make sure that my minor values don't creep into this fourth area. And these are the imaginary values. And we need to be really careful about those imaginary values because what I find is that I may get some value from social media, but the truth is that if I'm using it all the time, I'm incessantly checking it on my phone, I'm constantly scrolling through Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, I'm not actually getting value from it. It's imaginary value because it's not the best use of that time. And so I have to be careful and have a balance there that the things I do get value from, I don't, I don't abuse them, I don't overuse them so that they fall into some uh, imagined space where they're actually getting in the way of my real values. And so I think it's important to, to constantly look at all of those. I, I do it at least once a month. You can do it less frequently, but I find that's what works really well for me. Yeah. I, no, I, I think it's so important to, to get those, at least the fundamental values. Like if I was to ask you right now, like, hey, what are your fundamental values? You could probably list some things off. Um, I don't know if you've like actually written those down or not, but without like actually getting clear on those and writing those down, it's really hard to remember those when it's like the most important time to remember those. Like I was, I think about like when I was uh, trying to incorporate uh, a workout routine into my into my daily life, and I would get up and at, like you know seven a.m. seven thirty a.m. and the night before I was like so ready to work out in the morning. <laughs> And I had like all these great reasons why I was going to work out. But then like I'd wake up and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to hit snooze for like 20 minutes. And then like, you know, another snooze, another snooze, and then it's nine o'clock. And now I'm like, well, I don't have time to work out. I guess I'll have to like start that tomorrow. <laughs> and what I started to do is I started to like write those reasons down uh, in my memo pad on my phone. Like, why do I want to work out? Well, I want to be healthy. I want to, uh, I, I, I want to feel better. I want to, you know, be able to go on more dates with, with people, you know, whatever it was, like I had those reasons written down. So in the morning when that, you know, alarm went off at 7.30 AM, I could pull that up and I could look at that and I could recall them right away. And, you know, this is not like a magic bullet answer, but it certainly did get me out of bed more uh, than, than I would stay in bed. But what I love about like those foundational values is that for me, like that is my compass, those foundational values. So Josh talked about those five things earlier, health, relationships, uh, uh, cultivating a passion or creation, um, growing, contributing. Whenever I feel out of balance, like that is when I start to look 
at those five areas. And if you can imagine like those areas being um, like buckets of water or like buckets of sand, however you want to envision that, the least full bucket is as happy as I am, if that makes sense. So like, you know, I could have a full bucket in relationships and creation and growing and contributing, but if I don't have my health, then I'm not happy. And, you know, same thing with relationships. I can have every, everything else, but if I got crappy relationships and I don't have anyone around me to support me, you know, especially as an extrovert, like I need people in my life, good people in my life. So uh, I, I always use that as my compass. Whenever I'm feeling, you know, kind of down, whenever I'm feeling a little uh, stressed out, I've got to like look at those areas and ask myself, where is that least full bucket? And it might be like, oh, wow, like I haven't talked to my mom in, in, in a couple weeks, you know, I, I need to like, I need to reach out to her, see how she's doing. Or, uh, you know, when, when I go on the road, like I'll get some exercise in, but it's not nearly as much as what I'll get in it at home. Um, but you know, it might be that where I need to, you know, focus on my health a little bit more and eat a little healthier. Um, I just got back from Japan and man, the diet just like went to crap over there. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. I, I like started out really, really well. And uh, I kept up the intermittent fasting for like 90% of the trip. Um, but yeah, I got over there and just like when it came to, you know, all the delicious candies and all the other awesome things they have to try over there, like I just couldn't resist. And, uh, and you know, all the peer pressure, I totally gave into it. So I'm not perfect. <laughs> but what I'll say is that getting clear on those values and beliefs, it is so important. And, uh, you know, going to those other levels that Josh was talking about, those, those have the possibility of changing over time. I don't think they... Uh, change too much, but certainly um, they do change a little bit. And, and I would recommend, especially um, you know, for those who, who have a partner, you're living with someone, like sit down and write down what your all's values are. Because you know, the things that I value aren't necessarily, especially those core values, aren't necessarily the same exact things that my partner Mariah values. But what her and I do is we are clear on what each other uh, do need in our lives and getting clear on those helps us to support each other. It helps us to appreciate one another. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Chris, do you want to add anything to values? You and I were having a really good conversation about values earlier today. Sure. And, and if, you were to, if you were to talk about some of, of your core values and, and maybe how you discovered them. Sure. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I feel like you guys are more self-reflective than me, and I could learn from your process. You know, I, I kind of think about, you know, my values and how they align with actions and goals and all of that um, usually once a year. I do like an annual review. I remember when I was starting, though, and I was kind of like going through a period of, of change and transition, maybe to the question before as well, like if you're going through this time of, of you're trying to move from something to another, maybe you're looking at those things much more frequently. And like when I was first trying to like put something forward and make a lot of changes, I had this uh, screensaver on my computer. I would open it up and it said, why do you do this every single day? And I would look at it and I have to kind of answer that, right? And it was also very cluttered with like icons and documents. I feel like I should apologize to you guys for that. And, uh, <laughs> like like um, you asked to come over to my house earlier today and I was really worried because I was like, man, I should like, I have a lot of shit everywhere I have to put it up, you know? But, um, <laughs> Um, how I kind of stumbled on those values. Um, I mean, I, I think it was, uh, I think it's important to understand we don't always like go on this search for our values. I mean, sometimes we do actually stumble upon them and we, we find them through a discovery process. And so for me, I think, if, you know, if I pick a few core values, it's, uh, 
independence, self-reliance, you know, freedom. There's a little bucket for that. And um, that kind of comes from my childhood and adolescence and always kind of wanting to, you know, do things for myself. And then uh, maybe the second value for me is gratitude and just realizing that I do feel very fortunate and I've been able to do a lot of things and like I have a pretty good life. Um, and so the third value that we talked about earlier today was kindness. And that's something that I'm, I'm trying to uh, just embrace, embrace a bit more. Um, my brother passed away about two years ago and um, it's affected my life obviously to make a grand understatement. And something that we've learned in kind of looking back, you know, on his life is um, that he was very kind. And when people talked about his life, they would say, you know, um, Ken was very kind. And this was like something that was characteristic of him. And uh, in reflecting upon that, I realized that, you know, there are times in my life that I haven't been kind. Or there are times in my life that I've said, you know, like, yes, I'm kind, I embrace this value, but not really, you know, or maybe I say that, but I can see you know, parts of my life where I haven't um, done that. And so I've tried to be more conscious of that. So I didn't go on a search to find that. It just kind of came to me. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Howdy. Hey, guys. Uh, uh, it's nice to meet you in person, Chris. Nice to, nice to meet you as well. Um, I, I'm a native of Oregon. Grew up in Banks, Oregon. Awesome. Um, nobody from Banks? No? All right. Um, <laughs> Anyways, I think this is a good, good question. So I've, got, I've been a, listening to your material since right before Christmas, which is kind of a shocking experience because you learn the information and then the orgy of Christmas happens. Uh, uh, nauseating, right? Uh, but uh, I've been trying to go through as much material as I can. Um, it's amazing what you've done at this point in time, changing lives. It's great. Um, you talk about dealing a lot of financial issues and and getting out of debt and that type of stuff. And one thing I haven't heard you guys address yet is the concept of bankruptcy in situations. Mm -hmm. You know, we were going through this 2007, 8, 9, 10 uh, period of time. I am a consultant to some degree with regards to finance and consulted people through the bankruptcy process. Um, you also talk about getting out of business, I mean, getting out of debt, doing side hustles and stuff like that. And, and that's really what I'm seeing in the future from the generation coming up is side hustle, right? Because there's no full-time work. Uh, uh, anyways, um, you know, you talk about embracing minimalism, moving on. I know that there's a character building aspect of working hard, getting second jobs, and paying your debts. I get that. Um, bankruptcy. Thoughts? You tell me what your thoughts on bankruptcy are. No, all right. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, we're on the verge, or it's begun, the bankruptcy of multi-billion dollar corporations that you were a part of. Um, you look at the malls, you look at the stores, uh, you look at the headlines, Sears, BB, all the stores are going out of business, right? Uh, multi-billion dollar bankruptcies, those costs being thrust onto the community and or you know, people losing jobs to suppliers, stuff like that. Um, I think that bankruptcy allows an individual to get back into the uh, purchasing market. When all of your funds are being diverted to pay for the debt, then you're not out there supporting the local businesses, you know, uh, contributing in a financial way. So I think that it's a, uh, I think that there's a hesitation naturally to humans, people, um, because we feel obligated to, to, to pay people back. And I appreciate that it's a beautiful aspect of it. However, from a business standpoint, from a technical standpoint, from a corporation standpoint, a lot of times that's built into the business model. 
right? Bankruptcy is, is this is how it all ends, everybody, right? Uh, so um, I, I got some you know, pros and cons. I, I think that it's a legitimate question considering the advice, the great advice you're giving people. Um, and, and, and I, if you could touch on that, I mean, I sure. can get to you talking. No, no, no. Like, well, let's, let's talk about the side hustle thing because I think that's, that's important. It's one thing we don't often think about. Like, I was very tethered to a lifestyle. I was making $200,000 a year in the corporate world, which in Dayton, Ohio, is more than $200,000 in Portland. Yeah. Um, we used to call, or they used to call Dayton Little Detroit, and that was a compliment in the 1950s. Uh, and it still rings true today. Um, and so, um, you know, I live pretty close to downtown Dayton, and it was 65% of the skyscrapers were, were vacant. So a lot of bankruptcy certainly happened throughout the, the 80s and, and, and 90s. And, 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 you know, once we were into the, the consumer mode where the malls had, had plagued the outskirts of town and, and everyone sort of fled from, from the city center, it left a lot of blight in, in my hometown. So um, I'd like to talk about side hustles because I think, I think it's one route, but we need to identify what that means because I don't, when, when Chris talks about side hustle, I don't think he's just talking about going and driving for Uber or Lyft. No, that's right. Um, well, thank you for the question as well. And, and uh, you know, your, your personal circumstances, it's kind of hard to, to comment on, but for the broader picture, um, you know, when I started this project, it's like, what, what is a side hustle? Because this phrase is in the culture and we need to define it just like minimalism. And it, it can mean different things to different people, of course. Um, but I guess the way that I'm thinking of it is it is an income generating project. It's not just a hobby or a passion. Like it's great to have things that we do in our life, not for money. Um, but a side hustle is something that is actually bringing us that kind of empowerment. Uh, and it's also ideally something that we have ownership over not that we want to necessarily be a quote-unquote entrepreneur, because not everyone wants that, like I said earlier. Um, but, you know, if, if you're driving for Uber or Lyft or whatever, that's a good part-time job. And there's nothing wrong with having a part-time job, like most of us have, have done that. Um, but you have no control over that. There's an income cap. You're completely dependent on somebody else's platform. There's, there's very little creativity to it. So you can, set, you can set your own hours, and that's good. That's why it's a good part-time job. But I guess what I'm interested in is helping people create security and create assets for themselves. And part of the reason why I'm really kind of jumping into this after maybe even getting away from it a bit for a couple of years after the $100 startup is I just continue to see uh, the impact that it has on people's lives uh, when for the first time they make money, even a small amount of money relatively, uh, that it's not coming from their employer. And it's not coming from their paycheck. And I get emails all the time, like people that are just like ecstatic about like, I did this little thing on the internet and I made this little website and I got a PayPal notification and like, you know, I, it was a hundred dollars and it was great, you know? And they're like, I worked 40 hours for that hundred dollars, but that's, a, that's another story, you know? Um, <laughs> no, it's just, um, so I think when you create something for yourself, whatever it is, um, it just opens up possibility, it opens up opportunity and there's no downside to it. Right? There's no downside to it as long as you're not investing a lot of money in it and you're starting quickly to see what happens. If it doesn't work, great, you've learned something and you're going to do something different. And, and the reason I, I, I wanted to incorporate that is I think it's important for us to look at alternatives to bankruptcy. Bankruptcy is certainly something I thought about in the past. 
Because I made $200,000 a year, but I spent more than that. That equation just doesn't work. And so I made good money, but spent better money. And I was at a point where you know, I had six figures worth of debt, almost half a million if you count my mortgage. And I was underwater in the mortgage because of the 2008 collapse. And yeah, I certainly thought about it. But I also realized that that seems to me like a last resort as an individual, right? And, and so I'm not, I'm not necessarily against it. I'm against it for me under most circumstances. And, and because I, if I made a commitment to, to pay off something, then I want to do that. Now, here's the other side of it, though. Some institutions are incredibly pernicious. We have something called predatory lending, right? And so, so I can't say that every, in every scenario, we, you know, we should always pay back the person who tricked us, necessarily. It's, a, it's an individual thing. You know, there are only two countries in the world whose norm is a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. I'm 35 years old. If I buy a house right now and, and you know, put my... 10% down and, and, and sign up for a 30-year mortgage, it's like, I have no idea what I'm going to be doing 30 months from now, let alone 30 years from, from right now. And quite the responsibility. I think we don't think about it. I know when I built my first house when I was 22 and 0% uh, down, big house in the suburbs. And I did it because they let me do it. Was it my decision? Yeah, absolutely. I, I had the agency over that decision, without a doubt. And so I'm responsible for it. But should they have let me do it? I don't think so. I, I mean, I look back now and I was like, there should have been a few more hurdles for me to at least make me think about it. <laughs> right? And, and so we were sitting down the other day with uh, Dr. Christopher Ryan. He, he's, uh, he wrote a book called Sex at Dawn. And, and he, uh, we were on his podcast recently. And he, he was talking about, we were talking about the mortgage thing. And he was like, you know, I think I figured it out. I don't want to be in any debt for the rest of my life until I turn like 70. <laughs> He's like, the business model, they just keep loaning you money. Even if you're 70, you can get a 30-year loan. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, so I figured like I'll, I'll just coast until then and then I'll, I'll sign up and take advantage of their system. Because no one's going to pay you back when I'm gone, sorry. Personally, I'm not going to do that, but I, I find it interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I have, um, I know some friends and family who have uh, used bankruptcy as a last resort. It's certainly there as a mechanism. Like I loved how you presented it as it allows you to free up funds to to put back into the economy. I think at the end of the day, because um, this, I mean, talking about bankruptcy, this is a uh, this is a hard conversation, right? And uh, I'm not worried about. It. I'm in the business. It, it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> well, not for you, but I mean, just for other people. I mean, to talk about bank, yeah. it's hard for me to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess. To anyone out there who is looking at bankruptcy, I would say, you know, this is a situation where someone has obviously been misguided or, or made a mistake. And, and you know what? I'm just going to like say it straight. Like they made a mistake. Uh, at the end of the day, when I think about the people I know who have went bankrupt, they have signed up for those 30-year mortgages expecting to, you know, make the money that, that, were, that they were making on day one when they signed up for all that debt and to be able to continue making that money for 30 years, that's just not a smart plan, especially with how, how volatile the, the economy is right now. And I want to be clear, like, you know, it, we're not against 
consumption. Josh said that in his talk. Like it's, it's the compulsory consumption. Um, if everyone stops spending money today, the economy would crash. And when we spend too much, the economy crashes. So, you know, I think minimalism kind of helps us find that balance. We, we do have to consume some things, but we have to do that very deliberately, especially if we're signing up for debt payments. I mean, I just became debt-free for the first time uh, late uh, 2015. So, you know, just in our two years. Thank you. And, you know, I, I, uh, I do plan on buying a house one day. Um, if, I if I were to buy a home um, and I didn't have the money to cover the cost, you know, I, I, I might take a loan out. I might you know, put down 50% or 30% and take out like a seven-year mortgage or something. But I wouldn't make that decision unless I had the means uh, to do that. So I guess when it comes to bankruptcy, yeah, it is totally a tool for people to help you know, reset their lives. But I guess what I would encourage people out there who are looking at bankruptcy or who are, you know, they've already decided they're going to do that, use this as a learning example. I mean, I screw up all the time. Like, I wish I could tell you, like, hey, if you bought all our books and watch our documentary, you're going to live a perfect life. Like, it just, just doesn't work that way. But for me, it's about, you know, learning from those mistakes and acting differently. It's about having uh, more wins than losses as I move forward in life. So... You know, anyone out there who is looking at bankruptcy, uh, I would use this as like a, a very big wake-up call to, to live their lives differently moving forward. Thank you. Hi. Howdy. Hi. I just wanted to say that um, I, you guys are a huge inspiration to me, and thank I'm you. very grateful that you're here, so thank you. Thank you for supporting us. <laughs> Thank you. What's your name? Oh, my name is Devin, hey, Devin, and I'm from List Center, Washington, but I work in Portland, so it's like my second home. Um, I, my question is, is that my husband, he's the one I brought here. Um, <laughs> was was he kicking and screaming as you dragged his no, limp body? I, mean, I had to nudge him a little. I can point him out. <laughs> uh, so... Um, since I've been following you, um, I have found my journey and however, I need some advice, tips or tricks because he hasn't, uh, yet <laughs> or what, he, he, he has a little bit. I will give him a lot of credit, but what are some advice to make sure we don't sleep in separate bedrooms? <laughs> What, what's your journey? So, um, it was, I was, I had a really sad time in my life uh, for myself. And you guys came along and I watched, your, I watched your documentary and I had everyone watch your documentary and then I watched it again and I read your books, followed you on Instagram, all of that obsessive thing. And um, not, I'm not a stalker. But <laughs> So I got rid of like 90% of my things. I mean, I kept, I have 20 pieces of clothing. And Can we get a round of applause for that? That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that is fucking awesome. <laughs> so, and you know, I, I found that I wake up happy. I uh, go to work de-stressed. It's, 
huge weight of not just even the simplest thing of picking out my clothes for the day. Uh, and, you know, I have like four pieces of jewelry now. I mean, just very minimal things. Um, and I have one box that I keep my mementos in, like my dad's shirt or kids' teeth or something like that. Weird. I know, I'm like kind of going wait, downhill, wait, 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 right? Wait, 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 Got to save them dental records. <laughs> uh, so. They're your kids, right? Yeah. That's so funny. I actually used to be a deputy coordinator, but you know, they're my they're my kids' teeth. Well, like, a tooth. Okay, I'm just gonna change that. But <laughs> I'm so right <laughs> Anyway, so my question is, is that like, so when you walk into our room, my my half, I, you can d- just see the difference. My half is so nice, and my husband's is. A, yeah. Less nice. Yeah. <laughs> and so, what is something that you know? He he is. I do have to. I mean, he needs a round of applause for being an absolute supportive man. Because this man will support me if I quit my job. <laughs> if I quit my job and drew unicorns forever, he would be fine with that. And so he supported me on this path with you guys and. I just need to know how we can combine households when we're, one's a minimalist and one is a pack rat. You, you, <laughs> Sorry, so but he how is. how do you make her husband a minimalist? <laughs> <laughs> how, to, how to have him open his mind and, you know, yeah. be a minimalist like me. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> So, so here, here's, here's uh, the first thing. And you, you used a couple words there, and I could tell this path you're going down. And I'm optimistic for you, first off. And, and here's why. Uh, the first thing, I, first thing I heard, which actually really worried me, you, you talked about your half of the room and his half of the room. That's a huge <laughs> problem because there's no such thing. Um, that's like having, if you're, be, if you're married and have separate bank accounts... Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, because it's like, well, well, why? What's the real problem? This is a band-aid on top of something else. And what you're talking about is, if we, I have this is my half of the room, and you, you know, you can't cross this line. I mean, there are sitcoms that are predicated on this. Yeah. No, he has his own like little nightstand. He puts his stuff on, and uh-huh. I have my own little table. I put my stuff on, and sure. his is lots of stuff, and I yeah. have very little. So Our closets are totally different. The, the first thing I'm going to encourage you to do is, is to get on the same page is to start finding the same vocabulary. Because you're using things like his nightstand and my nightstand. Mm-hmm. They're yours as in the, the collective or the plural you. It's your house together, right? And so mm-hmm. it's, and I know it's hard to hear this, it's also your clutter. And you may, you may not be responsible for it, but I it is. It. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's part of your life. And, and the worst thing that you could do is try to convert someone to minimalism or to your way of thinking. That's not why we're here tonight. I'm not trying to convert any of you to minimalism. Um, although we have certificates out in the hallway. They're for sale for $20 each. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't, I'm not proselytizing. What we're trying to do is share a couple different recipes that have worked well for us and, and try to help other people on, on that journey. But I know that you can't change people in your life, but what you can do is show them the benefits and realize the reason that you're on different pages right now is because you experience different benefits and he, he has not seen those same benefits. And 
the news is he may never see those benefits from, from letting go. And that's okay. But also, what I'll tell you is he most likely will. Most people see some benefits from letting go of excess. But those benefit, his benefits are going to be different from yours. They may be financial in nature, while yours might be, I want a tidier space. I want less physical clutter, so I have less mental clutter. I want fewer things in my life, so I have fewer bills, so I can then spend that time with my family and friends, or I can create that thing that I want to create. I can start that side hustle, right? And, and those are the benefits for you, but his benefits might be completely different. Same with your kids. Kids, I mean, I have a three-year-old, and the benefits for her are completely different. For, for her, the, the, she loves the fact that we don't have anything in the house because she gets to ride her little bike around. And, and anytime there's clutter, like, the first thing she'll say is, like, if I, get, if I get rid of this, it means I'll have more room to ride my bike around the house. And so she, already at three, is able to start understanding what the benefits are for her. I don't use that same language, but it's about getting the, the, the right vocabulary there. Start talking about our stuff in our house, in our clutter, and, and, and never accuse anyone of, well, this is your clutter, it's your stuff. Instead, help them see the light by, by shedding some light on, on the benefits. I'm, I'm, the, we have six kids, so they all have seen the light you know, in their rooms. and our gar- You can't walk through our garage right now, but um, he's, he, uh, he's not like, oh, I won't ever let go of anything. I just wanted to know... How is the best to coexist, coincide with, to, he'll hold on to like, you know, things and I'm just like, no, let's, let's not, so. You know, the word that stood out to me the most was support. And first off, I just want to say the fact that he's here is an obvious sign that he supports you. And I got to tell you, I was in a, I've been in a lot of relationships, romantic relationships, um, where either I wasn't being supportive enough or uh, I wasn't being supported enough. And I just, I just really, and I'm sh- I know you appreciate it, but I just really want to like point that out because not everyone has that. So like that, that right there is, um, that's half the battle is just being able to love and, and support one another. And, you know, I think past that supportive, uh, uh, past the support would be appreciating the other person. So like when I think about Mariah and I, when we first met, we met on OkCupid, by the way. <laughs> I went on like a million dates and and I was the first date she went on. <laughs> and like we've been together for almost four years. And I like tried to explain to her how lucky she is. I mean, not just to have me. <laughs> But how she didn't have to like filter through all of the the BS. But I'm I'm going on a tangent now. But I remember when I first met her, like she was just absolutely gorgeous and just awesome personality. We 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 clicked like right away. And I remember after dating her for a couple weeks, um, eventually uh, was over at her place and noticed how many pairs of shoes she had. I mean, she had like... Like two pairs, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like more than one? Yeah, like she didn't even have one, yeah. (laughs) No, she had like 60-something pairs of shoes. I mean, it was unbelievable. And I remember like having this moment where I'm like, okay, dude. Like you can, you can either 
continue dating this wonderful person. And you, you can, you know, even though she likes all these shoes. Or you can get rid of her shoes. Or. <laughs> right, no. is, that, is that the other one? No, is that no, what no, she no. should do? Or, 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 I, or I could have, right. Or I could, yeah, I got rid of her shoes for her when she wasn't looking. That is not what you do. <laughs> um, or I, you know, I can continue the relationship. And you know what? That was something that I was willing to accept. And I was willing to not just accept it, but appreciate it. And, and not just, you know, support her, but, you know, move past that support to appreciate who she is as a person. Now, after, you know, us being together for four years, I'll tell you, she has seen the benefits. And she had, I mean, I don't know how many pairs of shoes she has now. I certainly don't keep track. And I certainly have never asked her ever to get rid of anything. Um, there might be, um, there might be a nudge. Like, don't get me wrong. Like if we got paper scattered on the counter, I'm like, all right, we really need to go through like these, th- this mail and like figure out what's going on. Cause this is getting to be a big stack. I mean, there might be some things like that, but never have I went to her and I'm like, you know what? I know that you loved all those shoes when I first met you, but I really thought you would get rid of those by now. And they got to go. Like, I've never, I've never had that conversation with her. Um, so I guess two things is the, the best thing you can do, I think, right now is to continue to love and support your husband and to appreciate the things that, that he loves. And that doesn't mean that, you know, uh, he gets to walk all over you. I mean, he has to do that back to you. He has to love and appreciate and support you as well. So, you know, I, there might be a hard conversation that has, you know, that needs to happen just of go, going back to that previous question of values and beliefs, of really getting clear on what each other's values and beliefs are and what is most important to you and what is most important to him and figuring out a way to kind of, you know, dovetail those together. But, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, when Josh and I first started uh, the minimalists.com, uh, my, it was like a month after we started it, and my mom called me up. And she was like, hey, son, how you doing? I'm, like, I'm doing great, mom. How you doing? She's like, I'm, I'm, I'm well. What's this minimalist crap? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you found the website. I'm like, okay, like, you know, what do you think? She must have been like Googling my name or something because like we had not told anyone about the website. And she's like, I don't, I don't know what to think. I mean, she's like, are you, uh, you're not going to be around for holidays anymore? Are you depressed? Uh, are, are you, um, can I not buy you stuff anymore? And I'm, you know, I'm like, mom, I, I will certainly be around for holidays. In fact, that's about the only time I ever saw her was like during major holidays, birthdays, Mother's Day, stuff like that. Which by the way, Mother's Day's tomorrow, if, if none of you don't know. Um, but, uh, but you know, I, I was like, mom, I hope to see you more than just the holidays. In fact, like I, I'm going down there sort because I really need to reprioritize how I'm spending my time and what my priorities are. And this is something that is helping me do that. And yes, I am depressed. Like I am really depressed and I'm really trying to uh, get out of this and I'm, I'm trying to live my life differently. And I said, you know, when it comes to buying me things, like, no, like I'd rather you not buy me anything. Like just spend some time with me and you know, that, that'll be enough. And she said, well, I'm your mother and I'm still gonna buy you things anyway. <laughs> And I suppose like she has the right to say that as, as my mom, I guess. Um, and I told her, I'm like, well, you know, if you do buy me something that I can't use, like if it doesn't, you know, serve a purpose in my life, if it doesn't, you know, bring me joy, I'm probably gonna have to like find someone else to give it to or like, you know, donate it to Goodwill or something. This is not the thing to say to your mother, by the way. <laughs> she got pretty upset and we kind of, 
went back and forth a little bit. But, you know, I got to a point where I just kind of reeled her back in. I'm like, Mom, you know, I love you so much. You love me, right? She's like, yeah, of course I love you. And I'm like, I want you to be happy. You want me to be happy too, right? She's like, yeah, of course I want you to be happy. And I'm like, well, if that's the case, I don't need you to have a packing party. I don't need you to be a minimalist. I'm not going to come to your home and judge your things. All I need is your support in this journey. That's it. And that's what really uh, kind of got through to her. So I would just, again, just continue to support your husband. I'm sure he will support you back. Things don't happen overnight. But, you know, if you guys can get clear on those values and beliefs and really, truly love each other and want each other to be happy, which I know you both do, um, I'm, I'm sure you can figure out a way to, to uh, combine everything. Thank you. All right, before, before we move on, don't worry, you'll get to ask your question. Um, if anyone who's listening to this at home or in their car or on a treadmill or whatever you're doing with our voice in your ears right now, if you have a comment or tip for anyone who asked a question today, you can give us a call, 406-219-7839, and we will air our favorite comments and tips on a future episode. Or you can also send a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It is time for our hashtag Ask the Minimalists lightning round. <laughs> Indeed, we, we're usually on uh, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at the Minimalists, and you can follow us there and ask us questions. But since you're here in front of us, let's go ahead and do it here. This, is, this lightning round is where Ryan and I, and now Chris, who has been roped into this, we, we, we try to answer your questions with a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. And that takes a little bit of rambling before we get there usually. And then you will be, the audience will gauge who is the winner of each round. So uh, the pressure is on all of us at this point. Um, we'll go ahead and get your question. And you can ask a normal question. We're just going to give you a, a pithy answer. Cool. Well, uh, thank you guys so much for coming to Portland. Thank you. Um, I've been... What's your name? Oh, my name is Amelia, and I'm from Portland. Awesome. <laughs> and... Um, so, first of all, on a serious note, um, Ryan, you're looking really jacked. I'm really excited for Thank whatever, whatever superhero movie you're for training for. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, my question is, so I've been consuming your message through all its various formats over the years, and my interpretation is that you've been communicating about your corporate experience with like this dark cloud, kind of, but I'm really curious if, there's a, if there are ideas or concepts or skills that you've been able to use from that experience to spread your minimalist, your minimalist message? Yes. Um, Good one. What are they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to think of a, pi a pithy answer here, but it's going to be something like my... Uh, well, here, let me ramble a bit. I mean, yeah, I mean, absolutely. So I, I couldn't be the person I am today without my past wins and losses. That's my tweetable answer. Um, <laughs> thank you. And just to expand uh, briefly on that, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I am a, a terrified introvert. I really am. There are three things that I hate more than anything else, and it's travel, crowds of people, and public speaking. <laughs> And, and 
Chris has been to all 193 countries in the world, and um, yeah, I, uh, I I don't envy that at all. <laughs> I mean, I, I love you, Chris, but my God, that sounds like purgatory. Um, but but no, the, the truth is, like, I was an extreme introvert at 18, and I got that corporate job, and it was a sales job, and you're for, you're like just forced into interacting with people for eight hours a day and then 10 hours a day and then 12 hours a day. And over time, you uh, become less terrible and terrified at doing that. And I can tell you now, the reason I can interact with people, even as an introvert, even as a person who spends 80% of his time alone, is because that was a skill I picked up in having to interact with people. And and the same goes for for the rest of my life. I learned about business as I was building a business. And I had retail stores. At one point, I managed 150 retail stores which is really ironic with the whole minimalism thing. <laughs> but but I, I, learned, I learned through that process how to run a business, what to do, what not to do, how to hire people, how to fire people. And I can't say that I enjoyed doing that, but I built the skill set so I know how to bring people onto a team and, and build a team now. And I'm, I'm really grateful for the team that we, that we have. In fact, Jessica, are you around here somewhere? She's right here. Look at that. So Jessica is, is uh, a talented member of our team. She runs all of our social media and um, just does an outstanding job. She has a great podcast as well called The Mind Palace. You can check that out on iTunes. And, uh, but the, the reason that I can do that now and it's the thing that's different from the, that old corporate world is my experience in that corporate world was dark, but I'm not saying that corporations are inherently bad or evil. What I'm saying is what I did there didn't align with the person I wanted to be. And so, yes, that's the actual nice part about leaving is I tweezed out the skills that I got and the good things I learned from that and pulled those things forward. We had someone a few weeks ago say to us, it seems like you guys didn't give up anything important. To which I responded, no. Why would I do that, right? The whole point of minimalism was to have the right things, the important things, and let go of the rest. And so that applies to the skills as well. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely learned a lot from the, the corporate days. I mean, yeah, it, it, it was definitely a net negative. There's no doubt about that. And as you said, we've written a lot about that and talked a lot about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the public speaking definitely helped just being able, you know, having to get up in front of, you know, a couple hundred, uh, people selling cell phones and like motivate them to sell to five-year-olds to, you know, talk them into, <laughs> yeah, you gotta have that. Yeah. You're five years old. I mean, you're going to start texting soon. You might as well get that text plan too. Um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was crazy, but you know, but thanks. You gave you gave me a piece of my 140 character answer too. By the way, I appreciate this. Nice. So you know, at the end of the day, like what I did, um, it did not align with my my uh, long my short term actions in my job. Did not align with my long term values and beliefs. So I guess you know my uh, tweetable answer would be, you know, you're in the wrong job if it doesn't align with the person you want to become. Mm. Chris, it's on you. Yes. Um, well, I was thinking at first I should probably pass on this question since I have no corporate experience and was fired from every job I ever had, basically. And uh, 
you know, this whole thing, this whole question about uh, you go to a job interview and they're like, why should we hire you for this job? Like, I feel like if I ever had that experience, I would say, honestly, you probably shouldn't, you know? Um, but um, despite the lack of corporate experience, um, I have some experience working with groups of people um, in organizations and teams. And uh, I mean, to touch on what you guys have, have said already, um, I do think that, that soft skills like leadership, communication, um, follow-up, being that person that gets things done, because in every corporation or organization, you can always kind of identify that person. And that person is, is more valuable in lots of ways than the person who's more technically advanced. And there's always somebody, like somebody can always learn another programming language than you or advance further in whatever the technical skill is. But, you know, if you have a team of five people or ten people or whatever, there's always, like, you know, tasks are being handed around, and they're like, what was your name? Amelia. Amelia. They're like, oh, Amelia, you know, like, she's good at this. Let's give this task to her because she's going to follow up on it. Like, that, I think, is valuable throughout life. And so, I guess my 140 character would be, you know, it's not so much the work that you do, it's, it's how you do it. And that's the value that can transfer. Yeah. Mm. Thanks, guys. Nice. Thank you. I think I won that one. We'll give it to you. We all know you're going to win anyway. <laughs> Howdy. Hello. Um, my name is Punrad, and I live in Eugene. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you. So my, my question is, um, to accomplish being a minimalist, do I have to um, become a monk and run away <laughs> to some monastery? Or? <laughs> oh my god, that's great! You know, it's funny. Uh, we gave we gave a talk in um, oh man, Edmonton, Edmonton, the, Canada, the, the West Edmonton Mall. It's the biggest mall in North America. The only person who's ever been there, I bet, is Chris. <laughs> that's ironic. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and it was totally full of irony. And uh, it's funny because like people were giving us so much uh, crap for it. They were like, "We can't, but you're going to go to the mall and use it as a venue." I, I can't believe that. And Josh and I were talking about, we're like, well, the other side of the spectrum is we would go to a, you know, a, monastery, a monastery and, and talk to a bunch of monks. Like, where, where do you think we should be? Like, in the belly of the beast is the best place to be. <laughs> but, of course, I'm just kidding with yeah, that yeah. question. <laughs> I, I was kind of hoping the answer was yes, but... No, no. I, actually, my real question is, do you feel like um, your, the minimalism that you practice informs your sense of spirituality? Oh, I need a tweetable answer for this one. I got a tweetable answer. I'm totally recycling it. Oh, go though. for it. All well, you. what I'll say is, you know, thank you so much for asking that question. Um, we, we will get asked a lot about, um, like, what our religious beliefs are and what, what, what's about spirituality and stuff. And, you know, like, we'll be in line and someone will come up to us and they'll say, it is so nice to see two young Christian men going out and spreading the message of Jesus Christ. And Josh and I, we just like, we kind of smile and we're like, you're welcome. Like, uh. <laughs> and uh, we got an email a few months back. It was like, you know, Mohammed, Mohammed was the, the original minimalist. And, and now we have a monk who is, you know, is, you know, uh, uh, spreading the message of Buddha. And, you know, I think that it, what's so awesome about minimalism is we will have, I'm sure there are Christians here. I'm sure there are 
all types of people, there, there is a monk here. And I think that's what's beautiful about minimalism is that it is something that, uh, or a thread, I guess, that threads a lot of different cultures and uh, religious uh, communities together. So my tweetable answer would be, it does not matter what religion you are or what God you worship. They all want you to live a simple life. Yeah. I think, I think my short answer has to do with, with our possessions. It starts with that, right? So, so it's going to be something like this. Our material possessions are a physical manifestation of our internal, well actually, so our material clutter is a physical manifestation of our internal clutter. Mental clutter, financial clutter, and spiritual clutter. Chris, you got an answer for him? I, I don't know if I have a tweetable, no. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. Um, just ramble till I get something. Is that the strategy? Okay. <laughs> that's that's uh, okay. our secret. <laughs> Great. Usually we have like a day to prepare okay. for this. Okay. So, yeah, well, I was, I was born at a young age. <laughs> and it, it went from there. Um, I, think, I think the beauty of, of what you guys teach and you know, what a lot of people have adopted in different ways is the kind of stripping away of the inessential. And... Uh, I guess for me, when I think about like, what have, what have my struggles been in this area? I mean, maybe a little bit of consumerism, materialism at different points, but I think for me, the greatest struggle wasn't, wasn't so much possessions. I didn't really feel weighed down by that. I felt weighed down by, I don't know if it was obligations or, you know, you use the word stuff, which is interesting because stuff is like, it could be anything, right? And so for me, the stuff that was distracting me from my purpose or those values that we talked about a bit ago or, or whatever, it wasn't something that I had to like physically get rid of. It was, it was more of like what matters to me and what do I believe in to go back to the question and what am I going to do about that? And so I think whether minimalism or intentionalism or whatever the word is, um, that's, that's what helped me, right? So I'm still rambling. I haven't got to the 140 no, no, you, characters. Dude, no. you, you totally had it there. It Did was uh, getting rid of the excess bit. allows you to figure out what you believe in. That's okay, the, great. That's, Thank you. That was good. That's no, good. I, Thanks. I was thinking the same thing. Look at that. I appreciate the team effort. And then Chris swoops in and steals the round. Nice. Thank you. Thank All right. You. Thank you. Appreciate that. Howdy. Here's a little tall. Uh, hi, my name is Jean. I uh, live in Sacramento, California right now. Awesome. It's currently 85 and sunny. Ah. <laughs> it is emphatically northwest here uh, uh, today. <laughs> um, but my reason for being here is over there. His name is uh, Jesse, and in a year, I will be moving back here to build a tiny house with him. Awesome. Very cool. But we have one area which we haven't really been able to simplify, and that is as good environmentalists, we cook everything from scratch. So we have, you know, the rice cooker, the griddle, the dehydrator, the blender, the stick blender, um, crock pot, you know, just because all of these things make it a little more efficient to cook, but they also take up 
a lot of space and I was wondering, I, I know you guys are on the road right now, but when you're at home, like how do you cook? How long does it take you and like what do you make? Yeah, you know, I'm going to be interested to hear, hear Chris's answer on this because he, uh, and actually I'm interested to hear the, the travel answer because my, my travel hack while we're on the road is just Whole Foods. Um, because like we, right now, um, there are what, six or eight of us on the road together. Um, it just depends on the week, which I know when you call yourselves the minimalist, everything you do is then blanketed with irony. And, and so, yes, uh, but we, we'll go to Whole Foods because it's always something that someone else, uh, someone on the team can eat there, you know, with our many different allergies or, or preferences or whatever else. Uh, but at home, um, man, I am not, I'm, I'm the worst person and the best person to ask this question of because if it, if it was up to me, I wouldn't even have a kitchen. <laughs> well, I would, but it would just be like a coffee maker. But thankfully, my favorite restaurant in Missoula, Montana is at home because my partner, Rebecca, who, who runs a great website called Minimal Wellness, she, she yeah, there we go. Um, she is just an amazing cook. And I tell you, I don't think all of her accoutrements could fit into a very small kitchen. But I can also tell you that, man, she is so deliberate about the things she holds onto and the things she brings in. And she has conversations with me, has conversations with herself about, do I really need this? And, and also, what other functions will this thing have? So ultimately, she's trying to figure out how few things can do what... Oh, so here's my short answer for you. How few things can do the most activity. So that's not even a sentence. That's not coherent. <laughs> We've been on the road for a while. <laughs> if, if, I, if I own... Damn, I'm just going to keep doing drafts here. <laughs> Look, I like to get up at 3.30 a.m. And I have no idea what time it is, but it is, it is late at this point. Um, all right, so um, what I'm getting at is, is having fewer things that have multiple functions is the best way to, to organize or the best way to cut the clutter. And so I think, I think with, your, with your tiny house, you have to, to figure out, hey, maybe it's not going to be as tiny as you want it to be. Maybe you need another 100 square feet. Oh, my God, does that make it a less tiny house? <laughs> my tiny is more tiny than your tiny? <laughs> I mean, I think the truth is what's appropriate. So, so here's my answer. Uh, bring into your life that which is appropriate. You know, I have uh, learned, like, being on the road, yeah, Whole Foods is definitely a staple. Like, that is kind of our go-to. Because especially, yeah, like you said, we got a team of people. Everyone's got different allergies, so there's something for everyone there. But what I will say is I can go to a 7-Eleven and get some almonds and some, like, beef jerky, as long as there's not, like, a ton of sugar in there. Like, that's usually, like, I have been in those pinches before, but it's still... Um, I don't want to say easy, but it's not impossible to still eat healthy no matter, you know, what, especially in this country. I mean, you have access to so much stuff. No matter what story you have access to, you can find something that, that is uh, healthy-ish, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, even Subway, like, you can go there and get a salad. Like, really, I mean, when I was a vegan, 
there was a subway in the um, bottom of our corporate building. And I remember like just going down there and like the first time I ever went there, I'm like, okay, what can I get? And like literally it was like, all right, lettuce, tomato. I just made like a salad, did some like olive oil and dressing and without all the bread and the meat, it wasn't, I mean, it was pretty bad, but <laughs> it was still, it was still fuel. It was still, you know, it still got me by. Um, oh man, I'm just trying to ramble and come up with 140 character response here. What about at home? What do you do at home? Um, That's really what she's talking about. Oh yeah. I mean, at home... Usually, uh, like, Mar and I will get a recipe and, like, try and cook it together. Um, and sometimes it turns out awesome. And other times we're, like, like we try to cook sog paneer, which is uh, an Indian dish. Like, just, you know, cheese and, and some creamed spinach and uh, some naan. And what we had, I mean, it was really good. But it, w- it did not taste like sog paneer or naan. Like, <laughs> it was really tasty, but... But uh, no, we will, uh, we will definitely cook together. We don't have, um, I mean, she's got like the, the bread maker thing um, that she will use, the mixer. We, got, we have a blender, but this is not helping me with my 140 character answer. Um, man. Uh, yeah, I think I, what he I, means actually, to here, say. Here's, here, here's, here's what I would, here's what I would, can I oh. say it? No, please. Uh, uh, <laughs> um... It doesn't matter how good of an excuse you have. There's really never a good excuse to eat a bunch of crap. Chris, when you travel, you, you, okay, uh, okay. do you have rituals? Sure, sure. I was going to say, I don't know that I could comment much on cooking um, since I've never cooked, basically, in my life. Um, <laughs> You know, however, can I just make an observation? What was your name? Jean. Jean. You know, as a bit of an outsider here, I feel like you're basically in like the 99th percentile, 99.99 percentile of anti-consumerism. Like you have a tiny house. You, what did you say before? You know, like you cook, you cook everything from scratch. Like you're doing really well. So I'm not trying to say like cut yourself some slack. I'm just trying to acknowledge like what Joshua said, like, you do what's appropriate to you, right? Like, you've come so far, which is not to say you shouldn't, you know, go forward. So when I think about travel, like, people often ask me, it's not so much about the cooking, it's about the packing. And, and uh, I actually am, you know, pretty rigid and pretty minimalist in the packing. And I, 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 I do take the same things with me pretty much everywhere, wherever I'm going around the world, for however long I'm going, it doesn't really matter because I have a system. And sometimes people have said, like, you guys probably hear this in different different ways too. It's like, like, isn't that hard? How do you do it? And my answer is like, this is actually better. This is easier for me. Like this is benefiting my life, right? It's not a cost. It's not a sacrifice or anything. So to maybe wrap it up and go to the, the short answer, you know, in, in your quest to go further, I think it's good to have, a, to always, always improve. Um, but it's also good to acknowledge like how far we've come. So I would say there's always something we should be proud of. And there's always more we can do. Nice. That's all the time we have for questions. I want to apologize to the folks that are still in line. We, we'll, I, we don't have time to get to everything. I'm sorry, but I think, I think Chris pulled it out with that last answer. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris, Chris Gillibo. Thank you, guys. 
Hey, before before we wrap up here, just real quick, um, we we like to do an added value segment. Ryan and I talk about what's been adding value to our lives recently, and we're doing something that's more local, some city-centric, Portland-centric stuff here. Yeah. So one of my favorite coffee houses in the country is here. It's a, it's a place called Barista. And that place, I hope, to, I hope they're open on Mother's Day because I didn't get a chance to go there today. But I did go to a place called Good Coffee. And that is some damn good coffee. What about you, Ryan? What, what have you been enjoying in Portland? I just had to pull my phone out because like, I had to remind myself where I just ate dinner at. But, so I just like... Uh, met a, c- a couple friends over at the Brooklyn House Restaurant. Oh my God! Like unbelievable food. Um, yeah, I had. Uh, I-, I just had a bunch of stuff. I, want- I always like to ask like the waiter or waitress when they're like taking my order. I'm like, if this was my last meal, <laughs> <laughs> and it might be. <laughs> what should I order? And like they just had an awesome recommendation. The staff was awesome, and the food was just. I, I, I could still be over there eating if um, we didn't have to give this talk. But yeah, I would totally check that place out if you have a been to eat. Cool. All right, let's move on to right here, right now. Let's talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. As I said, tomorrow is Mother's Day, but it's another special day. Sean, where are you at? You be- oh, there he is. He's back there at the booth. Podcast Sean, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Tomorrow is his birthday. We right, love you, Sean. Yeah, man. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being the man behind the minimalism. If, if the podcast sounds outstanding, it's always because of him. In fact, we're, we're building a new uh, podcast and film studio so we can create more meaningful content, especially with the, the video side of things. If you loved our documentary, we're working on a lot more video stuff. We hope to be doing a video version of the podcast, some live streaming, a bunch of other stuff. Because we refuse to clutter our podcast with advertisements, you can all help out with that. If you want to support us on Patreon, whether you're at home or you're here in the theater with us, you can just go to theminimalists.com, click on Donate at the top, and you can contribute per episode or one time. It's, it's really up to you how you want to do that. And you can help us. By the way, none of that money, not a penny of it goes to me or Ryan. It goes to build a studio, also to, to help pay podcast Sean full-time because he has a wife and three kids and a family to take care of. And so we're trying to do good by him as well. And, and if you can't afford to, yeah, thank you. Uh, but if you can't afford to to uh, to donate any money to the podcast to help us build it, that's totally okay. You can also help by leaving us a review on iTunes. And for the po- people who are listening at home, we are all in the middle of a tour right now. It's called the Less Is Now Tour, and you got to listen to a, a little bit of it. We're coming to 40 cities, so it's a city near you. You can find all the cities, dates, and theaters over at lessisnow.com. After this little event, Ryan and I will be out in the lobby in about 20 minutes or so. Um, we will dish out some hugs. We will... Uh, heck, hell, <laughs> hell yeah, you can get a hug. They are free. Um, and uh, you can also pick up a book if you want. If you can't afford a book, we'll buy one for you. So you're welcome to grab a copy of one of our books if you would like it. Um, and, oh, I need to thank, thank some folks. Let's say thanks to the Aladdin Theater for having us here tonight. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, by the way, if you, if you pick up a book out there, please minimize it afterward. Pass it on to someone else who can get value from it. Yeah. A library, a friend, a family member, someone else. It will do you no good sitting on a, on a shelf collecting dust, right? And so uh, I, let me see if there's anything else I'm forgetting. I always do this. And so I have my, 
Let me see, I've got my little notepad here. This is the, we, we stay in the lap of luxury. This is the Hampton Inn thought pad. <laughs> uh, I mentioned the tour. I mentioned, oh, I mentioned Patreon. I mentioned hugs. Oh, yes, and there's one other person I want to thank. You. I want to thank you for being here. I know it costs money to get in here because we have to rent this theater. We have to pay all the people. And Ryan and I don't really make any money from touring, but that's not why we do it. It allows us to contribute to other people in several different ways. But that's not the only thing you paid for being here. You gave up your two most precious resources, your time and your attention tonight. And we're grateful you decided to spend at least a few hours with us tonight. And if you leave here with one message, I hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for being here, y'all. Thank you so much, Portland. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hi, this is Joe in Dallas, and I was burning through some old minimalist con uh, podcasts, and I heard you talking about the ketogenic diet and cured bacon, and I just wanted to throw out there that they do sell uncured bacon at a lot of places now, including Walmart that have less than one gram of carbs. Keep it up. Hi, Ryan and Josh. This is Kathy from Illinois. I have a comment for Susan, who had a baby in the NICU. Um, I have also had a child who was in the NICU, and she's now 20 years old. What I did was I have two children. Each child got one apple box. Go to the grocery store. Ask the produce manager for an apple box. It has a top and a lid. And you put what you want to keep in that apple box. Um, baby clothes. I have a quilt that was made by a dear friend. And as the years go by, you only get the one apple box per child. Um, my children are now 22 and 20. And I've opened that box and they've looked in there and None of that means anything to either of them, but it means a lot to me. So Ryan and Josh has also said that everyone has their own version of being a minimalist. Well, my children's baby stuff is very important to me, and it has extreme value to me. So I'm allowing myself two apple-sized boxes for my children's stuff, and I don't feel even a little bit bad about it. So um, there's also some clothes in there when they choose to start their families. Um, they'll be able to use some of those clothes. Hi, my name is Jamie. I'm calling from Los Angeles, California. I meant to leave this a long time ago because I feel like it was on one of the debt episodes, but it actually pertains also to the budget. Um, a friend of mine, I can't take total credit for this, but recommended that I check in with my cell phone bill. I had noticed it was really high for two cell phones. And I admit, even though I'm very organized, when the bill comes electronically, I don't always look at it. So I won't give the provider <laughs> name per se, but I did call. I asked to make my bill lower, which they did have something to offer. But then we combed through the bill on the phone, and I had apparently uh, some kind of featured at $3.99 a month for international calling. I never call international calling, 
So that came off. I had some kind of ringtone charge that was happening I didn't know about. Anyway, long story short, I found all kinds of hidden charges that I did not know that were happening for years. I lowered my bill right then and there by $60. I wanted to wait a few months to see if it actually stayed that way, (laughs) and it has. So it's been about six months. Um, So when we get bills electronically, we don't always look at them. So um, I just urge people to check in to especially a cell phone bill that has some of these charges we might not even know because $60 times 12 months of a year has been a huge savings for me um, as I try to get out of debt. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing Thing that you need, every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Every little thing that you gotta have, every little thing that you gotta have, you gotta reach for and you gotta grab. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it So tear your eyes 